In Shivalo, sea travel is generally considered pretty treacherous due to raging storms and moon dust bubbles causing major trouble to almost all sailors who venture too far from the coast. As such, the mythical island of Shirmob, located right in the middle of the ocean on the plain of Shivalo, is yet to be discovered. However, in light of recent discoveries and developments within the underwater kingdoms of Altonis, Taraco, and the Chill Zone, a new excitement to reach Shirmob has blossomed, as the possibility of underwater exploration might be the key, finally, to reaching this mysterious island. Welcome to Questopedia, a character and world-building podcast. I'm Brian Perry. I'm Houston Bodley. And I'm Jake Bush. And today we're talking about the mysterious Shearmob, and Houston is our quest giver. Ooh, mysterious Shearmob. Uh, let's just jump to it. That's the world-building prompt, guys. What's Shearmob? Let's talk about it. So, the way I had pictured it, um, we have, uh, as we've talked about before, Shivalo is basically a horseshoe-shaped series of islands but in the middle is this big mysterious island we have yet to go to called Shirmov. and part of it is because as far as we know as far as the inhabitants of shvala know it's uninhabited but i assume they know it exists they've probably seen it in some capacity it seems or like have, see it. That we, we know knowledge. there are some tall mountains yeah i i figure there's also some a flat legends. surface so you can see farther yeah that's true there's probably a really big mountain at least right in the middle Oh, on Shirmov. I don't think we've established that. I was just saying on the surface or on the other oh. islands, like yeah, someone either could way. go to a tall mountain and see farther. Yeah, but probably... I also wouldn't be surprised if there's a mountain on Shirmov. We don't know anything about it. Uh, probably both. That's what I'm establishing. There's at least one okay. very tall mountain on Shirmov. I think we have to establish it's a volcano because I just feel like that's what you put on an island. That That is what you put on an island. You put a volcano on an island and we don't have any volcanoes in the world yet. And here's my first bit of lore legend. It, that the people have developed about this volcano is that if you jump down into it, it is a portal into the other planes of the planet. Oh, that's fun. Um, that okay, was, that's... I was about to say that. Okay, that's really interesting. <laughs> I was actually just thinking kind of as a joke, but then it kind of worked out. What if is like, think of the game of horseshoes. This is the the like stake that's in the ground. Oh, and it goes down all the way down to the core. Like, that's okay. cool. And that's why yeah, it's yeah. somehow connected to the other planes. Exactly. Uh, Maybe we'll discover we don't need to bypass the storm walls. Maybe we're just going to be able to go down to the core of Colonel, which is named after the core, I think. Right? Because Colonel? (laughs) Yes. I think that's why Um, we called it that. And I think we also determined that uh, ordinary rules of physics with planets and stuff might not exist in this world. Like, it may just be kind of uh, Godzilla vs. Kong rules where the middle of the planet is just this interesting biome sort of thing. Um, But either way, I, I think that is a great appeal for people to want to get to this island is the potential of, yeah, that mighty volcano right in the middle. It's a portal. Um, you just got to throw a ring into it. You just got to throw like a ring into it, it and then it expands and then you can jump in. Yeah. Can I add a tiny bit of lore to the overall universe real quick? Just for fun. Sure. Yeah. Uh, that came to mind when Brian mentioned like, well, you would be able to see farther because like the, the surface of Shavala is flat. Um, I like the idea that there is like a niche group of fringe conspiracy theorists um, that are like convinced that the face of Shavalo is actually curved. <laughs> it's actually curved, right? They it's like, well, we know, yeah. And they run all these experiments, and also all the experiments always show that it's flat, but they're just like, huh? Well, the experiment must be wrong because we know it's curved. 
it does seem like if you saw the the discs like float off of the edge and then go or they, they, they you'd probably notice an arc to them yeah you'd be like hey I, interesting i feel like we should be curved. i can i cannot see from one end of the plane to the other therefore it must be curved <laughs> yeah something is curving around me it's like no that's there's just there's just sea bubbles floating and getting in the way yeah i like the idea that the Shermov volcano is visible from literally everywhere on a clear day you know like i want it to be mm. big and noticeable We've and, still been vague about this, the scale of this world, but I think that I think it'd be cool to just have a ridiculously tall volcano there. You yeah. have famously said um, that the size of Shirmov in comparison to the rest of the world is the size of Shirmov is basically what was it? Uh, You're saying compared to the you, real world? Uh, the rest of the world that this is. Well, in, I would say it's about one twelfth of the world. Yeah. Well, OK, so Shivalo's <laughs> one twelfth of the world yeah. that it's created. Shirmov is the size of Utah, Nevada, and was it Arizona? California. California. Yeah, yeah. I said that a long time ago. So here's some here's some background. Shermo was originally where the entire podcast was going to be set. Um, the other islands only existed for people to come from there to Shermov. The Originally, the premise was we we're just going to do it all on this little island. Um, so at that point, I have established that. And I, I still think I'm fine with that. I think that's a little bigger than what we've talked about since, though. Yeah, I think in general, we kind of took that scale and reduced it down to about uh, 60, 70 percent of what it was, more yeah. or less. So I think that fits about right. Take Utah, Nevada, California. That same shape is what the island is drawn as. Um, yeah. But then just shrink that space down to 60 percent of that. And that's the size of the island. Yeah. So, yeah, you could probably get a like. Hawaiian volcano. style volcano on top of yeah. the surface there that sticks. Yeah, I don't think that's a big problem at all. Like trying trying to compare it to some of these other land masses, it's probably a third of the size of some of these other smaller land masses. It's bigger than any island in the yeah. Indigo Isles, right? It's a it's a big island. It's it's enough to almost be considered a continent. It's yes. not just like don't don't picture Hawaii. Like, yeah, it is. Big. It it is not Hawaii. It is definitely larger than that. But it's yeah, definitely 60 percent um, of California, Nevada and Utah and in that it, shape, roughly, as as we've very <laughs> well clarified. Um, cool. Is there anything else we want to add to this besides just it could potentially have the portal to other planes of the planet? I think I think going back to the end of your prompt, which was how much of this is true. I think the only thing we know for sure is there's a big old volcano. <laughs> yes. Just a big old volcano. That's for sure true because everyone can see it. Even the gods of this world don't know all the mysteries of this volcano. Um, Is it just called the Shermov Volcano? I think we can come up with a better name. I I, I famously named uh, the the sea where Taraco is as the Tarakan Sea. So I think we should not call it that. I don't think we should call it the Shermov Volcano. I'm taking a stand against my own laziness on a previous episode. (laughs) Also, would they call it a volcano? Oh, why would they call it anything else? Because... (laughs) No, I'm, a, I'm open a, to it. Imagination. <laughs> How about this? Uh, and I, I'm adding a little bit of incentive to doing well in your dice roll today. What if there has been a law decreed across the whole plane that no one is allowed to name the volcano beyond just the Shermont volcano until someone becomes the first person to uh, plant their flag? On yeah, it. I like that. Basically, like, we know that... This is some rare accomplishment, some incredible feat of man or not of mankind, but of we need a better kind. word for that, by the way, because like D and D refers to it as a humanoid, but like there aren't really humans, so it seems weird. 
I feel like uh, we would call them like sentience or sapience or there's another or word creatures. Creature could include animals though, right? That's true. I think uh, what, sapience sounds good. Sapience. Um, sapience with a T. Sapience. Okay. Sapience. The first, the first sapient to claim or to land on the island and plant their flag on the volcano gets to name it, and then it will be podcasted across the land to everyone <laughs> with the vessel slingers. Hey, this is the new official name of the volcano. It is no longer Sheer Mob's volcano. It is the Flaming Butthole, or whatever someone decides to name it. <laughs> yeah, be careful. Um, wait, 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 also, wait. If uh, go I ahead. got it, I got it. Not this doesn't have to be the actual name, but uh, in terms of do they call it a volcano? Uh, almost they call it a volcano there we go or, uh, it's a shavalcano 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 there we go i i think that is the the geological the official geological term of what it is it exactly. is bigger than a normal volcano it is just like this uh cartoonishly tall s cylinder uh reaching into the heavens essentially so a normal volcano is just called a volcano an incredibly yeah. tall volcano is called a shavalcano it's also what you call it when it's a secret volcano Shh, volcano <laughs> which when, kind of is because no one kind of has is. gotten yeah. to it because literally no one has mentioned it until now yeah it's a shock <laughs> in, in nearly two seasons <laughs> uh can that be a common phrase in the land of uh are we going to talk about the volcano on the island instead oh, like, of uh, like, can we talk saying, about I you were the... literally asking us i was like we are talking about the volcano on the island are we are yeah, we yeah that i like right the now? idea that that's the saying <laughs> are we gonna talk about the volcano on the island I, I think there's no elephants. There are Loxodon in this world. A, yeah, you know that's elephants. a D&D &D race. But there's yeah, no elephants. I don't want to get into another but, world building discussion right now, but I can I was thinking about it today. Can we not refer like I know we established the Plata people as Plata people, but I like the idea that if we have a sapient race that it looks like an animal from our world, it's just called that animal, but then if there's an animal equivalent of that race, we call it an like it's, okay, so Loxodon, right? They're elephant folk. Why can't they just be elephants? And then if there's a big old animal that looks like that race, can we just call those elephant animals? I think that's more fun. <laughs> Not to start that, something. That's fine. But I, I think it I, makes more sense. I think it is important to still have Loxodon as an official name, but we I can just call them elephants. elephants. Oh, okay. okay. No, it'll be confusing for the podcast. We've already established so many confusing rules that make this podcast hard to talk about. I think you're right. I don't know. Maybe that's going too far. Maybe that's a cultural thing for some people in this world, which is our all always our like getaway of like, I'm going to say it's true, but it's not going to ruin things. How about this? This can be an official uh, guideline that we on the podcast will refer to them as like Plata people or Loxodon or Rat Folk. But in the dialogue, in the language of usual on this planet, they just call them elephants, platypi, right? Rats, yep. and Perfect. then you're right. Uh, when and they're referring to wrong, the animal just, version, it's the it's rat. Translated. Yes, I mean, I so I was actually thinking going into this, since my character is a platypus person, I was like, <laughs> I kind of, I kind of want to retcon the the race because I like invented a race and platy people. I think we could do better. I don't know. Um, my character is also a platy person, so uh, this will be fun. Um, yeah, I, I think at this point, since you created two characters for it, we have to be locked into Plata people, whether you like it or not. You brought this monstrosity upon us, Jake, so. I brought it in and I can take it out. <laughs> so here's the stakes of the episode. What is happening is each of us has created a character who is going to be on an expedition team. Basically, throughout the land, 
for a long time, everyone's been like, oh, we got to get to Sheer Mob. We got to get to this portal volcano so we can name it, all that jazz. There's probably also other legends of like rare minerals and artifacts and whatnot. Like, it's just this cultural ambition of like in the 50s and 60s for humans when it's like, we got to get to the moon. That's how yeah. it feels for people with getting to Sheer Mob. But the problem is sea travel. The farther you get away from the mainland, the more dangerous it is in that just bunch of storms, bunch of moon dust bubbles that get big, and then they just create huge tidal waves as you get too close to them. Just in general, people have not fared well when they've sailed, like, I don't know, like 50 miles past the coast. Yeah, that seems like a fair number. But... Since we've been talking about the underwater kingdoms of Altonis, Taraco, and the Chill Zone, which were introduced last episode, I think recent cultural discussion has been coming up of, can we get to Shirmov via these underwater kingdoms? Do they have some technologies? Do they have some form of transportation? Is there something going on in one of these that we can get to Shirmov through them? And so what we are going to do for our quest today is we each have a character, part of the expedition team. The first thing we are going to roll is to determine which kingdom we are starting in. So I'm going to roll on behalf of Altonis, which is the underwater kingdom I created last episode. Brian will roll for Taraco and uh, Jake for the Chilza. Whoever has the highest... For those who haven't internalized those names yet, um, Altonis is the left side of the map. Uh, Taraco is in the right side of the map, and um, the chill zone is up in the north. Yes, correct. So west, east, or north, whoever uh, has the highest roll, that will be the starting kingdom from where this expedition launches. So that uh, per- that uh, host will get to reiterate a little bit about their kingdom and what the development or discovery is that has launched this new expedition team to going to Shermov. So I think we do that first, and then we'll explain more from there. Okay, cool. So we're gonna roll that now. Yes. Okay. Um. Good luck, guys. I got an. I got a seventeen. I got a fifteen. And I got to pull up a d twenty roller. <laughs> Sorry. I. I got a four. Okay. So I feel like I should mention. I was gonna not mention this because I wanted to win, but now that I know that I'm not winning anyway, I should remind you, Jake, that you do have an advantage you can spend this season if you want to win this one. Um, if not, I'll let you use it in Monster of the Week. I forgot that I possess the Apollo 13. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know what? We're going to succeed the on Apollo this anyway, 13. Wait, is that again? I was going to say, I think we're going to succeed on this anyway. Like, we're already going to have a good setup based on our average roll. Um, so this is, this is purely for personal glory. Right, right, right. Just I also so think that we that start the, from my area. I also would say that your area is probably the worst one to start from because everything is based on the north side. Away from Shermov. So maybe your role is just appropriate. <laughs> uh, uh, no, you, you know, could, I, we do have another role this episode, too. No, we're I using know, these I roles. Know. Oh, we are I'm, using these roles. Okay. Then cut yeah, I, I thought that's right. what we decided. Okay. And I'm stuck with this four, unless you use I, Apollo uh, 13. Greg, initiate the Apollo 13. <laughs> oh, wait, there was a 17. Sorry. I thought there was, yeah, was a seven. Houston got a 17. I got a 15. So it might be, Craig. it might be a waste. Craig canceled the Apollo 13. <laughs> you already activated it. Go ahead and roll. Wait, why did you tell Craig that? Craig's our recording thing. What does that have to do with the uh, Apollo 13? I, I don't know, because I <laughs> I was I imagined myself on a flight deck and I had to give a command to some Oh, computer. okay, perfect. 
No, I'm not going to use it. Crank's okay. just the arch wizard who is in, yeah. who's like the secret puppet master of this world. And so anytime, like the, the people in the know who are like, oh, I need some extra magic going in my favor. They, they say like a quick prayer to Craig that he will just yeah. cast some benevolent spell on them. I think we've been joking about Craig being something in, in our world uh, for a few episodes now. And this is the first time we've had the opportunity to bring it up on, on air as we're recording. So thank you for that opportunity. <laughs> it's official. There's a crack. So what's our average then? It's pretty Four, 17 and yours, Brian, was a 15. Again? 15. 15. We got a we got a 12 average. Yeah, that's good. So basically what this means, we're using these rolls to determine whether our expedition is going to be successful or not. So yeah. since we got a 12, we got a success. We will make it to the island of Shermov, which means we will get to explore it a little bit in season three. Um, but now what we have to do is first, I'm going to tell you the means in which we are going to get to uh, actually should we say ours because I like mine and I don't want it to be totally wasted. Can we sure. talk about the methods we're not going to use? Yeah, just do it. Don't spend too much time, yeah, yeah. but do a real quick overview. Uh, I feel like of your Jake, do you I, have I can one? do it as a part. Yes, I, but I feel like I could do it as a part of my character. Oh, that's a good too. idea. Forget I said okay. that. Then. Well, how about okay. that? How about that? So yeah, um, as we're creating, our, as we're introducing our character, we'll also present sort of our like. And here was the plan. It does make it a little sad that we've already done the role. Yeah. Um, I get what you're how, saying. How about this? Go ahead and in, let's introduce our characters in reverse order based on the lowest role. And you okay. can explain what you've been doing as far as underwater travel transportation um, and where it has maybe not succeeded so far. But that can help me tie it into how it works with the method that I have created and why your character would be brought on to this expedition team, even though your attempts have not succeeded thus far. Cool. So, Jake, you're first. So that would be me. Yep. Okay. Um, so my character's name is Walter Glace. Glacier, right? Beautiful. Um, his race is uh, Breithnifur. What? 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 What's the thing you just said? Breithnifur. Yes. What is that? It's a horrible pronunciation of the word platypus. If you're <laughs> speaking in Iceland. <laughs> oh, okay. Cool. And my and my attempt to retcon the name of the platypus people. <laughs> Oh, I see. Nope. It's it's already locked in. It's Okay, no, I, I think that can be the true name, but no one says that. Yeah. Another one yeah. of those translations. Everyone just things. says we the usual we name say, for it is Platter Person. Yes. Right. I'm giving you the like the, the meta yeah. information about him. And so now you know that he is a Brethnefur. Brethnefur. Are you um, is this based on what is that Eurovision band from Iceland? Oh, Daddy Freyr? Yeah. Is it based on? I mean, it's Icelandic in the sense that they are Icelandic. Is that the Icelandic word for platypus? Yeah. Oh, okay, cool. I went with Iceland. I thought Iceland you were just making up some random Iceland. Icelandic sounding thing. Okay. <laughs> no, no, no. I just typed it into the uh, general chat. Nice. It's got a theta in there and everything. Yeah. All right. So, or not a theta, whatever that is. Whatever that is. The delta. Um, yes. Okay. So, uh, Walter Glace's uh, subclass, or sorry, class, is uh, Artificer. And uh, hometown is Slush Green Glacier because he is a platypus. Right? Also known as uh, the Chill Zone, which is what I've been referring right. to exclusively. Because yep, it's easier. Common vernacular, platypus people from the Chill Zone. Technically, the Breitnipur from <laughs> Slush Green Glacier Forest. It's very hard. The, the second part's harder to say than the Icelandic. 
I'm sure I'm butchering it as well. But anyway, um, so Walter's highest stat is intelligence. He's extremely smart, right? He is an artificer, and he likes to come up with new things. Um, lowest stat is charisma. He kind of, like, doesn't really fit in, even among the planet people. Like, um, he's always kind of felt like he doesn't belong there. He is 45 years old, and um, to kind of give some context as to why he is involved in this expedition, he actually kind of, like, he heard about it, and he worked his way in um, to kind of come on board as a researcher, um, not not just to assist with, like, you know, the whatever research needs to happen during the expedition, but he has his own motives of wanting to specifically um, research underwater travel. So being from uh, the Chill Zone, uh, we talked about how they their main export is ice, right? Yep. And they like float it down around the the continent. Uh, Suprega. Uh, Suprega. There you go. Thank you. So that they can sell it right there, right? And him being kind of like a creative type, someone who's got like his sights set on something else. Um, he's like, no, I like we need to come up with a better way to like move our ice to other places so that we can expand and like make more connections with like outside places. Without just like everyone grabbing a block of ice and swimming down right. to the corner of Sprega, right? And so uh, he is uh, basically coming on to see if his current idea uh, around what he wants to develop and invent for underwater travel more efficient uh, could be practical uh, based on the other methods that he sees amongst other people. So that's the explanation um, of the character. But I can also now, if we're, if we're doing, like, what methods are not going to be used, I can explain what he would have proposed based on his current, uh, okay. his current um, yeah, like, work that he's using. So uh, he, he uh, got this idea, and he's like, okay, everybody from the chill zone knows that we are very good at creating, like, watertight um, structures beneath the surface, right? And so what we could do is we could just take, like, one sea glue and another sea glue. That's what their houses are called down right. there, right? And they're, like, dome-shaped. And he's like, if you took two of those and you just, like, stuck them together, it would create, like, a sphere, right? And if we made one that was big enough, we could, like, have room for a lot of people in there. And we could, uh, like, actually create other ones that we could, like, tow and, like, fill with ice so that we can pull it around to different places. Um, and he's been developing this. Um, like on his own, kind of quietly. Uh, and the, yeah, so his proposal is he has kind of like a, uh, what do you call it? A prototype worked up um, that he would like to use. Uh, and it's got, it's all like made of mud and wood and everything. It's airtight. And uh, it's like has the ability, it has propellers on it um, that are moon powered. And uh, he would say, okay, well, we can get everybody into. Uh, this vehicle that I've created, and we can float on down to uh, to uh, the island. Cheer him up. Cheer him up. I heard you almost say Shivaldo, and I realized it was a little confused. <laughs> a lot of that yeah. going around. And then, <laughs> and then I just decided not to say anything because I couldn't. <laughs> it wasn't on the tip of my tongue. So anyway, that's how um, Walt Glace created a plant-based large space moon-charged <laughs> submarine, right? <laughs> I was like, man, Walt Clay. I, I was like not picking up a celebrity that was super obvious. I was like, what's going on? It's it, rhyming is the theme of of this of this era of Jake Bush. <laughs> yeah, and uh, so you know, 
Like his wife told his kids he was crazy for thinking this could work. His friends thought it wouldn't work if he tried. Um, but, you know, with the will to work hard and a library card, he built his plant-based large space <laughs> moon chart submarine ride. Yeah, there it is. Um, oh, so who's his celebrity look like? His celebrity look like would be um, a very particular, like, I don't have a, I can give you the inspiration generally. Oh, what he kind of looks like. That's, but yeah, that's generally what they're based on. It. They're not one to one exact images. And I also have something to say about the celebrity look like thing when we get to my character. It's just John Mayer making a permanent duck face. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah, of course. John Mayer as a, as a flat of person. Out of igloos. Yeah. Because he's, you know, he's into uh, homemade submarines. And uh, <laughs> everyone, he also looks, looks kind of like, like a platypus in that picture I just sent you, which is him just making. A duck face. Yeah, perfect. Playing right. guitar passionately. Awesome. Well, that was Walter Glace. Uh, Walter Brian, Glace. tell okay. us about your character. My character is also a Breth Nefur, um, which I'm getting better at saying, I feel like, even if it's not correct. Yeah. I'm getting closer to Jake's pronunciation, which is canonical in this world. You give yeah. it a few um, like rounds, and it starts to, you know, it's not, it's not to too bad. stick. Um, <laughs> you're getting there. Um, if you had built a Brethnefir character this episode, then maybe you'd be there by now. Um, Probably. But my characters, uh, stop me if you've heard this one. He is a platyperson artificer from the slush drain glacier quarries with high int and low charisma. Um, <laughs> that wow. For some so basically, we, you and Jake were on the same wavelength. Normally, we, it's... we had sort of a Jake in Houston moment where we have a very similar character. Jake mine... and I usually are on the same wavelength, but when one of us is going the the peak of the wave the others go on the valley you guys just peaked at the same time well but i think there is sort of an inherent conflict between our characters because my character when he felt like he didn't fit in he left he's like i am not sticking around i think they were childhood friends and not anymore i, I don't think that there was a big fight because they're both too awkward for that um he's just like i'm out of here i don't know why did why did he leave though so he felt like he didn't belong because he didn't like building seaglows. He, he like he wanted to try new things. He wanted to build in a different. He wanted to innovate is really what it is. He didn't want to build the same old thing over and over again. And I, I feel like I feel like uh, your character did, too. But just not he wasn't he wasn't innovative enough for my character. And my guy's a real jerk. Um, my okay. the inspiration. So here's what I was going to say <laughs> about the celebrity lookalikes. I'm realizing I don't know that many celebrities. And so I'm kind of running out of people. I'm like, I don't know. Is it Brian Cranston again? Um, <laughs> and I know there are so many more with so many different varied backgrounds, and I'm just so bad at it that I've I've decided I'm doing a new thing with my celebrity uh, lookalike characters. I'm just googling whatever I decide to name my character, and then whatever comes up, that's their <laughs> lookalike. So, so my character's name is Bill Taylor, which is a great platypus name when you think about it. Um, <laughs> he's got uh, Bill and, and a great and, and a great name for a uh, a platypus artificer. Yeah, exactly. Bill Taylor. Tailoring um, his own inventions. Yeah, because that's what you call it. Um, I don't know why this picture... I'm not able to copy this picture and paste it to you. I guess I'll have to look it up again. Here, I'm going to... How about this game? I'm going to look it up, and then you are... I'm going to give you a celebrity lookalike that they... Oh, he looks very much like indiscriminate politician. Wait, over the we're, age pro of we're probably getting the same image. What are you looking at? I'm looking at former Google United Bill States Taylor. ambassador to Ukraine, William B. Taylor. Oh, am I sharing my screen? How are you seeing this? No, no. We both oh, just, I just Googled, Googled Bill it. Taylor and got the same oh, result. Oh, yep. Ambassador William B. Taylor. 
he he works for the United States Institute of Peace, and he's probably a nice guy. Um, okay, celebrity so really, like William he's B. Not Taylor. a celebrity, but he is a recognized. He person. seems like he's a star. He's a real star. In uh, our notes, like we William just put in our notes. We just put lookalike, so it doesn't have to be a celebrity. This is yeah, true. You're right. Um, because I just don't know enough celebrities. So this guy's Bill Taylor. He's just sort of a he's a he's an ambassador of the U.S. Institute of Peace. Uh, but in our world, Bill Taylor spells it with an I. Because uh, he has a tail with an I, not a tail with a Y. Um, and he tailors his own invention. Exactly. Um, so he, he went to Cole J Academy down in Nidex because um, he wanted to really branch out. Uh, his family was very supportive in letting him go do that. Because they said, that's your way of chilling. And we appreciate that. We, we get it. Uh, everyone chills in different ways. So he goes to Cole J Academy and he, he learns, you know, architecture. And he, he gets into some like, some new, weird, innovative architecture, and that is what leads him to helping out on the crew that originally built Taraco. So Taraco nice. is this big, you know, uh, giant sea snake thing. It's oh, sort of built, right, right, right. Yeah, it's built out of its sort of rib cage, if you want to picture it that way, surrounded by a, a watertight membrane. Uh, and he was he was involved with that crew, and he was sort of the at the lowest rung when it started. But it took you know thirty forty years to finish. So by the time he was done with the project, he was the foreman. He was one of the few remaining people. So he was really in charge of this team by the end, to the point that he had sort of a glorified sort of public status um, as as like the architect of Taraco, right? He was sort of this big public figure that like, normally you don't know architects, but you know this one, right? You know Bill Taylor, the architect. And right. so um, he was very disappointed when Taraco ended up being this terrible city, right? Because he worked so hard on it. He spent, it was his life, life's project, right? This was his whole career working on this. And it kind of just fell to the Tritons, right? The Tritons we have established are the uh, sort of mafia equivalent in this world. They rule Dark City. Uh, Taraco was meant to be there. They wanted to expand underwater so that they could force surface folk to come down to do business with them. But it ended up just being sort of a crime-ridden, horrible place. So what Bill Taylor would have liked to have done if he had won the role is he would have ripped Taraco from the side of the island, stretched it out as an underwater bridge all the way out to Shirmov. Um, <laughs> he was like, we already built it. the foundation. It's really solid. Um, the only reason that it's, it has to be anchored to the side of this island is that we didn't have the technology 30 years ago. So we started the project this way, but now we have so many more better things. Like we, we, can, we can do so much more. So I want to like rip out all those anchors and stretch it out. And it might also solve all the problems the city has anyway, right? Because there's a lot of twists and coils and back alleyways. But if you straighten it out, maybe you straighten out the city metaphorically as well. You know, there's nowhere to hide. <laughs> it's just a nice, beautiful underwater bridge. And it would bring like real legitimate business to the city. But that's sadly not going to happen yeah. on a successful 15 roll. I do think that the city of Taraco is going to get some benefits. I think uh, maybe the work he's doing is helping. Maybe he is going to do some of that straightening he'd like to do. Um, yeah. On the map, he's... there is a bit of an island out from the coast of Noctocristo. Um, and I like to think that he was, he was able to convince some people, we do need to stretch it out a little bit. Um, and fix some, he claimed it was some kind of structural problems and everyone believed him, but he really, he was like, I think it would just make the city better. So, yes, I love that. I, and I do think one way or another, he's taking this experience from this expedition because both of you will be on this expedition right. contributing to its success. 
even if your initial projects were not the launching point of getting yeah. to Shearbot. Exactly. So let- can we just kind of like decide that like even if we don't just describe it, there is a moment when they realize they're both on this expedition and they didn't know that beforehand and they look at each other and they like go build sailor you son of a gun and they like run and give each other <laughs> exactly. a hug exactly yeah it's been it's been a while you know and they do it with the predator handshake yes, yes. where they're arm they're, wrestling but they're adorable plot of people yes they're adorable plot of people and they they had a very uh, similar childhood except for your family was supportive yeah um, and <laughs> mine was not yeah exactly so i never got, i never got out yeah do you do you Yet. think do you think plot of people ever do high fives with their bills of like with the bills like, that'd be kissing with the tails, I, I, can, I like, can imagine. Yeah, I guess that's true. That I don't know. I feel like there's probably I mean, like a European of, kiss on the cheeks sort of way. Yeah, where it's like, no, yes, I could it's see kiss, it. Sort of a tap. I feel like it'd have to be gentle though. Platypuses do have like paws. Yeah, yeah I, I'm just saying it'd be kind thumb. of fun <laughs> if there was like a cool like bill slap that they could do. It's like part of a oh. fun. Well, handshake. every slap that Bill Bill Taylor does is a bill slap because his name is Bill. <laughs> You're not wrong. I thought you mentioned that. Because you're like in your head, you're like, well, a platypus could never give a high five. So what would they do? And oh, no. It's just <laughs> if you had additional <laughs> options for giving high fives, wouldn't you go for it? I do have additional <laughs> options for giving high fives. <laughs> I guess so. One of them being kissing and one of them being like, you know. Feet. A, a, a hip bump. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I'm going to get into anyway, my character. Anyway. Um, buckle the, the up, guys! The true champion of this episode, the true seventeen roller, who is going to help our help our crew out to Shirmov. The funny thing is, I'm definitely not. My character is not the project manager on this; just the catalyst for making this all succeed. And I do think okay, your characters cool. contribute to it. Buckle in, because we're going on a journey with this character, okay. and the long-winded or the long, windy explanation to get to how this is all going to work out. I ultimately kind of created two characters that. Uh, through this experience, I, I let me start with this. My character is a warlock, um, and I had I've grown to enjoy my warlock's patron more than the character itself. <laughs> okay, so they're both kind of they're both kind of part of this journey. Okay, um, so it's a two for one, but technically, for in regards to who is my character, her name is Renera Renestra. This is Ooh. my first elf character. Um, specifically, she is a she, uh, a sea elf. She is also a she elf, but a sea elf is what I meant to say. <laughs> she is a she elf. Give up a she elf. Um, uh, the the people in your city are are generally sea elves, right? Is that am I remembering that right? The in the the underground under like sort of underwater well, she, city you made. She is not from there. Oh, okay. She is actually from the kingdom of Lynx. Okay, but as this city was discovered this kingdom, the Sun Warren Kingdom was rediscovered. She eventually migrated there. Because she is um what some people have colloquially referred to as a hypohextriac. Um she believes okay. she is predestined to always be cursed or have like some uh, okay. uh malady possessing her. She definitely went through, like when most people were going through their goth phase, she was going through her lichen phase, where she just genuinely believed she was a, a werewolf and would oh, chain herself lichen, up. lichen like lycanthrope. I thought you meant lichen yes. like moss. And I was like, okay, that's a weird phase, but I, I <laughs> yeah. guess I can appreciate I that. Like... <laughs> <laughs> um, no, she definitely believes like, yeah, I, I just, 
I have the worst luck. These bad things always happen around me. She sees, uh, here's the news from a vessel singer of something that happened on the other side of the world. And she just assumes it's because of the hex yeah. that was placed upon her yeah. by her forefathers. So much so that she's kind of, she's like, she knows she should be a good person. And she's genuinely trying to do uh, the right thing. But 10% of her is like, it's kind of my destiny to just unveil this darkness that I am predisposed to unleash on the world. So like, I'm, I'm going to do the right thing, but I'm not going to get in the way of being put in a position where I might cause evil to happen kind of thing. Got it. So it's sort, so, of, a, it's sort of an excuse to be lazy. A, kind of an excuse to be like dark and emo. Dark I emo. guess okay, it's yeah. it. So that's one story. The other character involved with this. There is a god of the ocean in this world who lives on the moon because that's where we decided all the gods are. Yep. And his name is Osea because I just made it up on the spot. I forgot to name him beforehand, but his name is Osea. Nice. Uh, it's like an ocean god name. Yeah. <laughs> it's literally just dropping the end. Anyway, he has a bunch of children that he wants to get into the family business. And they're all, he's... He, Wait, the family he, business of being a god? Exactly. Okay, so, got it. So like, I don't think we've they, established the economics of how gods work in this world, so I just had to be clear. Yeah, no, we're going places with this. Okay. So basically what he's doing, he can't make them the god of the ocean. Until he like passes on or gives up that power completely. But he's giving his children opportunities to be like, okay, you can be the patron soul of tides, or you can be like I see. the the deity of the bubbles. the vortex of bubbles. Yeah, stuff like that. He's got one son in particular who's incredibly timid. Uh and he just he really cares about all his children. And this child his name's Dewdrop, and they call him Dewey for short. Oh, that's fun. Yeah, his name's Dewey. He's just very timid, and he kind of gets made fun of by the other children. He's like, uh, I'm trying to divvy out some of my responsibilities to other to my children, but I don't want to give like the most confident and cocky one. Like, okay, you are going to be like, you have the most power. No, he's going to give him like screens or something, like something simple. But he's like. Dewey just needs to be given this big responsibility that will help him have confidence in himself. And I know he's good hearted, so he's going to be good about it. I'm going to give him kind of control of creatures of the abyss. So Ooh. just all the like dark yeah. Cthulhu-esque underwater monstrosities. Um, he's like, you know, just just like drop them before it was dead. Exactly. That was one of those. City. Exactly. That was one of them. Um, and Dewey is just completely overwhelmed by this. Very timid. But he's like, oh, okay, I'm going to go take care of these pets, I guess. Um, anyway, his whole thing is Dewey knows that generally it's good to have like clerics or paladins that serve you. But he's not really familiar with the whole process. So what he ended up doing is going to Shivalo's Cosmic Con, which is where... <laughs> Uh, people from all across the land come up and they cosplay as their favorite deities or like <laughs> so funny to me uh heroes of legend and whatnot and yeah. occasionally the like very uh like showboaty or like attention-seeking gods will show up and it's a big deal but yeah Dewey there's just, one like, god that looks exactly like deadpool and there's exactly. a thousand people who dress up as him 
Right. And, and it's a big ordeal. But yeah, Dewey rented a booth and he's just like, I need someone. I, I'll be your patron for anyone who wants to help me out with taming these CBs. And like everyone is obviously just kind of weirded out by it. Like, oh, these like dark menacing creatures. One, no, that doesn't make sense for who you are. But two, like who wants to work with this guy? But that leads us to Rhaenyra Renestra, who, again, she believes she's predestined to have any hex that could come about on this world come to her. And so she sees this as like, okay, I am doomed to be this enslaved soul of this menacing abyss monstrosity demigod. I will be your servant as just like this. Put this curse upon me because I know I'm doomed to be slated with this. He's like, yeah, Yeah. okay, here you go. I'm your patron now. So go do these things. And so she's just off, like causing all these like monster attacks. Like she believes she's doing it in a way where she's trying to like help the creatures, but also kind of letting disaster happen. And the whole patron is just like, "Mm, no, maybe you shouldn't (laughs) do that. Uh, it's not hey, good. Like maybe some responsibility. So I, I just kind of like this dynamic of the timid patron and the, the like, um, the overly confident warlock. So yeah. going with all that, the subclass of warlock that Rhaenyra Renestra is is fathomless. Okay. So which is just the underwater monstrosities that can summon tentacles and gain extra swimming abilities. So all this compounds into. She eventually moved down to Altonis because closer to the sea, closer to her powers. Altonis has been cre- yes. Altonis has been created by the Thunderdark mixing with moon dust particles in the ocean to create these thunder caverns that continually expands. Uh, when she summoned her tentacle monstrosities out, she they would fuse with some of the the electric minerals within this new Thunderdark cavern environment and create what have said essentially become to be known as uh, electric eels. They're just tentacles that are running with electricity. Okay. Um, yeah, cool. But they give power that they can just crawl across the bottom of the ocean without just being weighed down by pressure or... Uh, if, if like monsters come attack, they have this electric pentacle whip ability. So she has wanted to get to Shirmov for a long time because, uh, she believes that there is some plague or some eternal darkness on there that, oh, it might be the cure to my hexes, but also in the odd possibility that it, uh, unleashes this, this like never ending shadow night over the land. I, I, I'm predisposed to making that happen, I guess. So I'll let yeah, that happen. Sure. Sort of thing. So I also has... feel like it makes sense because probably the farther you go out from like from society, from civilization and the islands that we're used to using, you probably don't have to go as deep to get to the like creepy, spooky monsters of the deep. Right. right? They probably can come up a little higher. So it makes sense. She'd want to get to the center because that's where all the stuff's probably happening. So she has been in talks with uh, local researchers now Tonus, and they are devising a plan of how to get to Shirmov. And what they have done is they figure, okay, your tentacle powers combined with your patron who can kind of talk to the sea creatures who might be a danger to us as we try to uh, travel out there. You can be like the horsepower that gets us there. We're going to bring in 
this uh, platypersen contractor named Walter Glace, who's going to build us a uh, a snow glue. What are they called? That's it's snow glues, right? Sea glue or sea glues? Sea glues that is going to protect us. Yeah, create this really strong sea glue, and while maybe the self propelling powers of it aren't quite working, if it just has like these giant squid tentacles that are pulling it forward, it's going to work. And then on top of that, we want to be able to get back to Shermov without having to rely on Rhaenyra and Dewey. So uh, Bill Taylor is going to be in charge of the research of expanding these, uh, these thunder caverns so that they trail along with the snow glow, the, the, the sea glues and, essentially create this tunnel that can be excavated later um build essentially like building this long cylindrical bridge that can be or tunnel that can be hollowed out later yeah to make it back to Shermov. and well and i like so, the idea of like what we're what we're getting from is it renee stra Ranira. Ranira um is like that's what is able to let us get out the first time but then, like, by building out the things as we sort of go and as we were doing all this, we're, we're able to make it a more reliable, like, long-term thing. Um, yes. And I'm kind of what I'm picturing is what if it's kind of a horizontal elevator, like a, like a tram kind of thing, that we have uh-huh. this thing that, uh, oh, man, I'm forgetting names, uh, that Walter built. That is now something that can, like, continuously move back and forth through this tunnel. Yes. I, uh, <clears throat> so... I actually did have a word for it because I was just going to call it a submarine, but um, you wouldn't say sub in this world because that implies underneath. Uh, you would call it an intramarine. <laughs> okay, okay, it's yeah. Inward, it inward the sea in towards the center of the planet. Exactly. Yep. Yeah, yeah. I like that. And underwater. So this so is it's not an intramarine. But in this case, if once we lock it into this tunnel, it's only moving left and right. So it's a horizontal marine. <laughs> that would be a yeah i think so, we just call it horizon i like that i, I think that's the name of the of one individual <laughs> ship yes. yeah i was about to say isn't there some kind of <laughs> oh, that we call him, meant, like, oh was, oops, that was a thing was it what if we call I'm, them i don't remember horizon crawlers because of the oh, squid tentacles funny. that pull it and then it's like an alternative subclass name in the making to horizon walker rangers that's always fun um, yeah, I'm into that. Yeah, That's yeah. very fun. I like that we've made this kind of a uh, renewable, not just an yeah. expedition, but like an actual, like we actually pioneered this and it's now available to certain people who want yeah. to get out there. And they, I do think they are keeping it low key for the time being. They don't want this huge influx of people all coming down to Altonis and yeah. crowding this tunnel that might not be fully structurally sound at first. Yeah, it's experimental. Yeah, it is an experimental travel procedure. Who, who were we working for? Were we working for? I mean, we were working for Dewey, basically, right? But like, well, no, was Dewey's the involved. Pa- did the service the kingdom? I think it was Altonis. Um, okay, so Altonis, Altonis was its the, own independent nation. Yeah, because um, okay. it was Rhaenyra, Renestra, and Dewey who kind of reached out to explorers, inventors down there, and was like, "Hey, what if we combine forces to make this yeah. happen?" And so, yeah, I don't think this knowledge gets to the surface level, the surface world yeah. for quite some Cause time. Because Althonus is fairly removed. It's like a yes. new thing that there's any connection. Fairly isolated. I think a lot of people from the surface level are cautious about going down there because yeah. they're like, I mean, just one leak in the ceiling and the whole ocean comes compounding yeah. in. 
But yeah, I did want to mention the celebrity lookalikes for Rhaenyra Renestra and Dewey are Kate Blanchett and Ki Hui Kwan. Fun. Um, I almost did a Ki Hui Kwan last week. Yeah. So that's kind of their whole dynamic, if that helps. Yeah, that's cool. Visualize it. Um, one thing I cool. one thing I want to kind of tie into this is my character from a long time ago from uh from the siren episode i think my tabaxi character that had the soul of a halfling he was also a fathomless warlock and so i like oh, the idea that maybe he served the previous fat the previous patron or the previous yeah the previous patron who was in charge of these deep sea creatures yeah and so this is kind of new right we, we established that dewey's kind of new to this i think uh-huh. that um, that character whose name was Integrity uh, will he's eventually going to make his way over here because I think Dewey would tell him about it. Right. Say, like we need your I, help. And I, I think he would. What, what about this? Adding to the lore, the previous uh, demigod that was in that was the the patron of Fathomless Warlocks was one of the older brothers or sisters. Yeah, that's cool. Dewey. And they abused that power. And so that's why Sia was like, uh, I got to give this power, this charge to one of my more humble, more dev- uh, not devout, but like kind hearted children yeah. who won't abuse, won't be overly cocky about using this power. And so that's why Dewey has it now. Yeah, I like that. Whereas and in the time that of totally inte- works, that totally works because integrity, the tabaxi is played by Brian Cranston. So it, it makes sense <laughs> that he would be associated with someone named Dewey. <laughs> it's his I child. Okay. I'm also very, I'm also very happy that Walt still got to uh, you know like y- use his like yeah. part of his idea you know yeah this yeah. is like a big big uh, use of your thing and you were we we all got to be heroes in this one I feel like look at this I even made a morally questionable character and I still <laughs> found a way to collaborate with you guys instead of killing you guys off yeah I love fun. it um we have one more order of business that we need to attend to before we finish the episode what's the name of the Shavalcano? Um, I who knows? I don't think they've gotten there yet. They're oh, in the okay. process of getting there. I, I think okay. we wait till uh, the first episode on Sheer Mob Perfect. to determine Keep who it actually is the first person there. That way, people have to tune in. There's probably other crew members coming on this Horizon Crawler, yeah. so it might not be one of these three characters who's the first person to plant their flag on the volcano. But you, Houston, have naming rights for to the Shavalcano. I, I I think that I think that's correct. Cool. I think that's what we decided the stakes of the role were, and you won the role. Um, can I? Cool. Can I uh, give? I want to like just give a tiny bit of uh, information about how things wrap up for Walt okay. uh, in terms of like uh, his involvement in this, because I think it it kind of seals it up for him nicely. Um, kind of like I mentioned, like his wife had called him crazy, right? And so when he got called up to go assist with this, she's like, "This is insane! Like your inventions are horrible." And you are not going to make it back. And so, you know, once uh, time had passed since his leaving, she was like interrupted while grieving because he hadn't made it home. And she accepted the news that she never expected when the vessel slinger connected a vessel from Sheer Mob. I know you're referencing something, but I don't know what it is. <laughs> yeah, same. <laughs> That's the final verse to, to uh... wait, wait, wait. You do know what uh, what Walt Glace is referencing, right? No, no. I thought you were just rhyming. Yeah, me oh. too. <laughs> okay, the reason I I also did think that like I should maybe also because uh, you said he was John listeners. Mayer and that doesn't rhyme. Right, right. But John Mayer 
<laughs> okay, I also thought this. I was like, huh, they got it. I didn't expect them to, but maybe for the listeners, I should go back and explain this reference. Because no, I, w- I just thought you were making a John- lot of rhymes. <laughs> yeah. Same. Okay, well, I would like you, uh, you and the listeners, uh, if you're very confused about me this entire episode, get on Spotify and look up the lesser-known song by John Mayer called uh, Walt Grace's Submarine Ride. Ah, okay. <laughs> yeah, I've never heard of this. Really? That definitely needed some explanation for Walt me. Walt Grace's Submarine Test January 1967 is the full name of the song. <laughs> right, 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 right. And it's all about a guy who uh, invents a homemade submarine and uh, is, is like rejected from his uh, family for it. Because <laughs> they think he's crazy. But then the last verse talks about how his wife thinks that he's dead, but then she receives a call from Toby. Got it. Yeah. And now, now people will really appreciate the, the words that you said at what was going to be the end of the episode. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, thanks for listening. <laughs> After we had that long silence, I was like, oh man, they, they didn't get it, huh? <laughs> Um, All right. Well, thanks for making some weird underwater characters. Uh, We'll be back again next week for our next weird underwater adventure. And that was up and by. So there we go.